one that you know when we talk to our grandkids when we're older what we were, were we redoing during this time well we were spreading the good word about uh, currency and bitcoin cash yeah. so so i think legacy is important with it too somewhat you know in terms of uh being a part of it hello and welcome back to the bitcoin cash podcast this is episode 15 peter versus spencership and crypto content creation following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency. Today is Sunday, the 25th of April, 2021. And today I have with me on the show, Ryan Giffen. Ryan, how are you doing, man? Doing great, Jeremy. Thanks for having me on. How do you, how do you come to be on the show? How are you involved in Bitcoin Cash? Give us a bit of a rundown. Well, I think part of the reason we're jumping into this video today is because you saw my Bitcoin story. And um, a lot of what brought me into just Austrian economics in general is uh, Peter Schiff. You know, I used to really look up to Peter Schiff. I thought he was our generation's Milton Freedom or, or a great Austrian voice. Uh, so I always had this, um, uh, I was always drawn towards kind of free market economics in general, just because growing up through the financial crisis, uh, I'm living in South Florida here. Uh, we were really damaged by the, uh, by, by the overvaluation home prices that were caused by the boom bust cycle that is that the Keynesian economists always kind of propel with their manipulation of interest rates and uh and uh flooding uh, of, the, of the money printing machine so that brought me into that realm and uh and then that kind of brings us to uh how i found peter and missed on bitcoin for a number of years and um you know it's, it's kind of funny to to look at the crypto market and see someone like peter schiff who's rather intelligent still missing on bitcoin we still have to get those people in, and then we still have to get them in to understand what Bitcoin Cash is and explain that whole civil war. So um, that's kind of a little preface of who I am and how I got interested into uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, we got we got a lot of work to do, that's for sure. And I, I suppose that's going to be the theme of this episode today is that because it is such a complicated thing, right, in terms of Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, cryptocurrency, money, there's a lot to know. And you, you can miss it by just this much, you know, even just being slightly off. It's, you know, it's kind of like uh, there's only so much hype that BDC can sustain where they're on a forum and they're all saying, oh, digital gold, yeah, it's great or whatever. But pretty much that argument just gets blown to smithereens if you're actually just sitting with someone and you're like, hey, pay me back for this beer and or, you know, whatever. And you just send them $2 and just the Bitcoin.com wallet. I love the little green notification that has that it pops up. That's perfect. It's just like, bam, money received. I can't tell you. In the past couple of weeks, like I've had so much fun with it. I've probably opened over 50 wallets. But where you can just copy and send the link and, and send the, the currency yeah. and people just open up and get a, a Bitcoin wallet. And uh, it, it's funny, like I, like some of my friends don't even really invest, or, but like I'm just telling them about this magical internet money. Like you, know, you can't get like overly technical, but you can kind of explain like the power of not needing a custodian. And um, but they're but they're legitimately like, on the phone, like it moves price. And when the price goes down, I try to explain to them like. When you go to the, the gas station to fill up your car and it's costing you more in dollars, you're not watching your dollars go down in value and getting mad at your dollars. Mm -hmm. But um, And that's happened recently because I was handing out a lot of Bitcoin cash. I was at a wedding uh, about a week and a half ago. And uh, and then like this week, the, the price like pulled off maybe like 20, 30%. Like, oh, Ryan, you, you, you know, they don't understand the volatility because they don't really invest. But 
you try to explain like that everything's pegged to the dollar, so you don't see assets moving against it and actually losing value. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting because with that volatility, I found with new people that I've introduced, I've been surprised that actually a lot of them have said uh, they get some, and well, there's either one or two ways it goes: either the price goes up or it goes down. Right? If it goes up, then they're kind of like, "Oh, this is pretty cool. <laughs> My five dollars <laughs> is now five dollars and twenty cents," and they're thinking, "Wait, this is this is good. You know that that that'll get somebody to look. Wait, what's going on here?" And then if it goes down, <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe people can be a bit uh, depressed, but but I haven't seen actually as much of that recently. If they just have a small amount, or they 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 sort of uh, over the idea that okay, maybe this is going to kick off. Then if it goes down, they think, "Oh yeah, I can actually buy a little bit more of this now." Uh, so yeah, sure. I've, I've definitely seen people, uh, in that mindset. And I, and I think it was just this, I, I don't know what your thoughts are, but on this crazy, like this whole trend since, uh, basically the middle of December, where just suddenly after years of being, you know, flat Bitcoin cash just started taking off and it seems like the growth has slowed down a bit. But I think in my mind, what's happening is that like noise.cash spread around to a lot of people, read.cash and whatever. But maybe that's tailed off a bit. Maybe there's a bit less of those. There's still a lot, right? But of those one cent tips and stuff and more just now people are, for whatever reason, suddenly got over this barrier of, oh, yeah, we can actually use this as uh, as cash. Because if you if you give someone a transaction like that, then they show up, you know, as one little data point in this uh, set of transactions. But then a couple of weeks later, they buy some and then that's another one. And then... A few weeks after that, you know, they send it to somebody else and then that's another. And so it takes like a long time, but the snowball just uh, builds up. Sure. So, yeah, the more wallets you have, the more people that have money in there uh, and, and the more they find the utility in it. I mean, definitely noise is, is a huge reason probably still for a number of transactions. I couldn't tell you how many. But, uh, but you know, and part of my reason of handing out uh, Bitcoin Cash, uh, I think Roger Veer said, like, like it's been like being a, a Bitcoin Johnny Appleseed, mm. like planting all these trees everywhere and and letting them blossom, you know, and spreading it out there. So, um, and, and that's and that's why I really, you know, in, in my own community here, I want to get more involved of creating this little, you know, realm of economics where people use it and um, and start adopting it and sort of making it feel like some sort of native currency. Even though I'm in the United States, where the dollar is so powerful, but I mean, imagine I, I think of people that are in countries with you know far worse currencies. Than, than than the dollar, that this being so important, you know, and, um, and and really falling in love with this currency. Yeah, yeah, and I guess I think it's probably there's also just been yeah some a bit of an information barrier there as well too, just because a lot of the uh, information about Bitcoin in previously has been in English, right? As well, like the white paper was first published in English, and uh, all the early community, a lot of that was focused on English. Uh, software development tends to be done in in English for a lot of different reasons. So I think for all those reasons, yeah, it hasn't quite found its niche yet. Uh, like there's been a lot of good work in South America recently uh, looking at that, but yeah, maybe some communities in, in Africa or, or different things like that uh, where it can yeah. really just take off, but it's just has to get to those key couple of influences in the community who start, you know, promoting it or, or spreading it around. And there have been some videos that I've seen of, people talking about Bitcoin Cash in Africa and, and so on. And that's, that's just amazing. That is genuinely, genuinely like world changing stuff. 
So yeah, the, the other like stats that I usually uh, check in on here is the USD cent per day because now Bitcoin Cash is doing more transactions. It's kind of to me the next big thing is the more actual like value moving across the network. And uh, BTC has just been at uh, absolutely like spiking up to more than sixty-seven billion. This was with the transaction fees going through the roof. So I think maybe a lot of, you know, big holders were panicking or sending around their coins, you know, a lot of, a lot of back and forth, uh, in the market. I, what, what's been your thoughts on the recent, uh, fee crisis in, uh, BTC? Yeah. You know, I, I mean, overall, just the trend of the market, um, like last bull run, I think Bitcoin dominance went down to nearly 30%. And a lot of that does correlate with the, the fees that are associated with it. And, and speculation, the smaller coins and the mania and all that. Uh, but yeah, I, I just saw a funny tweet yesterday. It's like, I just sent, I just got, I just paid $30 to send $25 of Bitcoin. Yeah, we're really changing the world, you know, like, <laughs> this, this is what's going to dethrone the, uh, the global financial system. Uh, but then, then I, we should probably spend some time to trying to, and, and I've tried to be fair to Lightning. I really have. Um, and I just don't, at this point, see it as necessary. And I think Bitcoin Cash is the best use case for that in terms of, you know, why are you trying to create these these off-chain solutions right now when, I don't know, when opening a node and, and having a watchtower and all these complicated things, you know, I always, I've always used the term in business and life, like complexity is the enemy of execution. Yeah. Like trying to get people to use this as currency and, and when you create this complex system where it's it's always in 18 months away beta again I, i've tried to be fair to it you know um but where do you see the real shortfalls in um in lightning and uh where do you see like i know one of the things they talk about is you're using a custodian at this point but they're saying some of these wallets will be non-custodian too have you given lightning a fair shot well, to be honest, I've never even like fired it up and stuff. I will have to do that uh, and give it a go. I just, I sort of agree with you. I think it's flawed on way too many fronts. So the complexity barrier is so high, like even as me, somebody who's, you know, <laughs> technical, I'm a professional software dev and I understand Bitcoin, you know, in great detail and everything like that. Uh, and then, but I've had a bit of a look at some of the lightning stuff. This is so complicated, right? the more um, layers and layers of everything at the technology level is, is just, it's not like feasible, you know, just with each additional level of complexity, the implementation cost just becomes exponentially higher, as you were saying. So, uh, and once you think about that expanded across an ecosystem, it just doesn't uh, make any sense. And then obviously uh, from a, sort of ideological or fundamentals perspective it doesn't make any sense either because if you're using non yeah like custodial services to use your lightning network well that doesn't work and that's just a result of the high technical complexity of people have figured out the workaround is to basically just go back to a, a central solution but even if it was very decentralized or they had all the hubs running or whatever then even still in that case, you're not using the blockchain and it's basically just a very uh, dressed up version of the banking system. Again, sort of coming back to that narratives and community, you know, philosophies and stuff like that, where if you're okay with that, well, you don't need Bitcoin really. The only reason to have Bitcoin and Lightning Network and be excited about that versus 
the fiat currency system is that it might personally make you rich. It's not actually going to fundamentally change how people uh, transact. And and then even on top of that, it's like, well, even if there is maybe some sort of uh, merit to lightning network, payment channels, that kind of thing, I don't think that's totally wrong. But uh, even if you had that idea, like you would need a lot more on-chain capacity before you could even uh, run a global lightning network, right? In the original lightning network white paper, I think the founders or not the fans, you know, the progenitors, they said, like, maybe we need 133 megabyte blocks before we could have mm. uh, enough payment channels to have the whole planet using this kind of thing. So, yeah, there's just so many fronts that it's busted on. And you can see the discussion on social media where people will say, oh, but Lightning Network will solve everything. And then somebody replies to them like, hey, man, send me a little bit of money on Lightning. And just like, it just instantly falls apart, right? Uh, yeah, and that's why like, I, I really want to be fair fair to it. I want to challenge my own arguments and, um, and you know, be able to say so confidently why Bitcoin Cash is my currency that I, that I want to use and, and your thesis in the, in, that you put into all your, all your shows here about it becoming the world reserve currency. Yeah. You know, it, it challenge my, my ideas. And, it, it, and I think I like to see more of that come from the BTC camp too. You know, I feel like it's, again, you know, the censoring that's come from their side you know, the, the way they've kind of, how they took over our Bitcoin, all these things, did not have in these competition I, and ideas to play out. I find it strange, you know, it, it, it opens this, this Pandora's box, to all these conspiracy theories of has Bitcoin been stolen? And I thought, uh, have you seen the documentary that Cold Fusion yeah, did, did about the Bitcoin war? Mm. Fantastic. Everyone should watch that. Everyone should watch yeah. that. Uh, and, um, and I think if people, you know, not that we have to fight a civil war with people, but if we just allow ideas to be heard and challenge your own, you're willing to challenge your own ideas, I, I think you will, we would have, uh, we'll continue to grow this camp at Bitcoin Cash much larger. Yeah, and I think you, you can even see that. You see posts a lot of the time which are people saying things that are, I mean, who knows, you know, how authentic they are or whatever, but definitely people post up saying, oh man, I've been into Bitcoin. I got into it in 2018. I totally thought Bitcoin cash was a scam, blah, 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 blah. And then something, you know, some, something clicked with them, whether it was, I tried to send some and it was really high fees or they talked to somebody in real life that they knew who was, you know, back from the early days or so somewhere or another, they get around to it and they tried Bitcoin cash and then they realize like they just need to try it a little bit and then suddenly it's just so much patently better and then they think oh wait and then the scales fall from their eyes and suddenly all this like narrative that you'd heard the whole time is is kind of false but people don't tend to go the other way because if you've got bitcoin cash and you're using it and it's working why would you look at the fee oh this is so i've got bitcoin cash and i can use bitcoin which is the same but it costs 30 dollars to send like no thanks, man. <laughs> That's pretty much it, right? So that slow. And then, and then, how do you? So going further into it, how would you? Um, because the biggest thing you knock against Bitcoin Cash, and to be fair, is the hash rate. So, how do you see the Bitcoin Cash hash rate improving over time? And we're already started to see it a bit, but uh, but how do you see this playing out? And is there to any? Um, degree uh lack of uh security and, and decentralization in the uh in the project due to the higher block size I, I mean i don't i don't i don't really think so like if you have a look at 
the ha the hash rate basically correlates with the price, right? Because the it always fluctuates back to the profit equal profitability between the chains. And history has sort of shown that the uh, the hash rate follows the price rather than the price follows the hash rate. Before we had the forks, everybody was, you know, that was an open question, right? People were actually debating that before the split happened as to what would happen. And it turned out to be that the price set the hash rate. Um, so we've kind of got that historical info now. But there's there's not really a problem with security because the only people, like the amount of uh, Bitcoin mining uh, on Bitcoin Cash now is is like equivalent to whatever it was i don't know 2013 or 2014 or something like that. it's still like you need loads of specialized gear to attack it if you were the government or, or whatever and the only people who are in a position to attack it are the bitcoin miners from btc but they have no incentive to do that and we've seen that because they haven't for the most part there hasn't really been a lot of those uh shenanigans and people are always you know confused about that or asking about that but uh, somebody had a really good analogy I saw where they said, look, imagine that you were a mining company and you had uh, a silver mine and a gold mine. Uh, and so what you did, they were both your mines and they were both profitable. But the, uh, what you did was you took some of your gold mining employees and you sent them off <laughs> to attack the silver mine and disrupt all their operations. And like, that makes no sense on so many fronts. It's like, they're both your operation. They're both making you money. Why would you right. divert from something that was working to destroy something else that was working that were both in your control, right? So, uh, right. yeah, as far as that goes, yeah, we haven't seen a lot of uh, shenanigans like that. And uh, yeah, and it seems, you know, the hash rate is not proportional it, to the transactions either. So. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, these—I mean, these guys are running businesses, right? They're not tied up in the, the philosophical yeah. debate. They're there to make yeah. money, you know. Yeah, exactly. They got to pay their employees. They got huge amounts of electricity. Yeah, they're not going to not going to do anything stupid. And we've seen, you know, there's Bitcoin SV as well. So different SHA two fifty six coins can uh, coexist to a certain extent. Um, so in that respect, I'm not worried about it. And as far as the the block size going up and centralizing around the nodes. Well, I think the from the BTC side, they very heavily overvalue uh, non-mining nodes specifically because when in the white paper, Satoshi talks about nodes, uh, but what people sometimes miss is that when he says that, he means mining nodes. He doesn't mean there was no non-mining nodes uh, at you know originally, right? And non-mining nodes are good. They definitely add to the network, but it's a question of what are you trading off, right? If you're... If you're, you know, massively restricting your pool of users who also add decentralization in terms of the amount of commerce, the geography, you know, the marketing, their ability to spread it to other users, that's insanely valuable. But if you're just going to cut that off uh, just to be focused solely on this one metric of non-mining nodes, then then you're really shooting yourself <laughs> in the foot. And, yeah. you know, for most mostly the more users you have, the more businesses that you will have and the businesses will be the ones that will run the nodes because they've got an actual incentive to do that you know because they need to support the network for the sake of their business and for them yeah. you know an extra hundred dollars in a hard drive is like you forget it you blink and you miss that you know if you're running any sort of uh business right you probably pay more to get a domain name or something right so yeah i'm not i'm not really worried about that like storage is cheap it's not where the not where the cost is and trying to have 
everyone mining at home is just a fantasy on a trillion dollar plus uh, network as BTC is and as BCH is, is going to be, I think, really. So, yeah, that's kind of my uh, my thoughts on those points. Well, you brought them up on uh, on BSV. I, I get a lot of them coming around my channel. Mm-hmm. And they're not like anti-Bitcoin cash, a lot of them. But... Uh, but they're, uh, it, they're they're always challenging because they're trying to go so much further, mm-hmm. right? They're trying to go so much further than we know where Bitcoin Cash at in terms of transactions can process, uh, block sizes, all that. And um, and my response to a lot of it, I'll start with me, is that you know I think they're one they have a pretty toxic. Um, uh, I don't know. It just it just seems like a toxic place to be. There there's been listening to some of the exchanges. You know, Craig Wright is a pretty. Uh, eccentric person to be related mm-hmm. to um and then they, they but they try to propose this you know when bitcoin cash you know it, it can't right now currently scale to to be uh the reserve currency of the world yeah. yet. but so for me it's a philosophy of do we grow to serve the current state of the network or do we grow right now to become the most powerful network in, if the world were to change like that yeah is that how you see it or how do you see the uh the two yeah well i think it's just fascinating that it's worked out this way where you sort of have that spread of btc you know being like no growth and then bch being like some growth and then bsv being like all growth you know and to me it's i mean it's just like a life philosophy right moderation in all things and there's there's no need with the bsv like camp is is there really any difference if bitcoin cash has eight megabyte blocks or 800 megabyte blocks today. Like there's not enough people using the network. So being focused on that and sort of trying to be like, look, our blocks are the, are the biggest. It's like, it does not matter. <laughs> like if, if you can have as much upward capacity as you want, the whole point of having a limit is, um, you know, the historically in the early days of Bitcoin, when Satoshi put in the limit, the limit was to sort of stop spam or, you know, protect the network from being DDoS. But then uh, it was it was set way above the actual usage. So it was just kind of like, well, we're going to have a limit because probably, you know, some sort of limit's a good idea, but uh, we'll just keep it way, way ahead of usage so it never impacts the actual practical running of the network. And that's exactly the strategy that Bitcoin Cash still has. So this whole BSV stuff, it just seems like very people who are very easily uh, sort of led astray in a, in a certain way where, it's it's yeah it's like in in bdc they always talk about oh the price is bigger so the market has decided therefore we are the best and then in bsv it's well our blocks are bigger therefore it's the best it's like no that's not the important metrics the important metrics are do you have users who want to use it do you have commercial use cases do you have passionate people creating cool artwork and spreading the message of your community that to me those are the metrics you should be looking at so yeah, that's that's kind of why I'm not as big a fan of them. I know. I, I, I love I love how you put that, and I, I loved in your last podcast just talking about the, uh, the the passion behind it, and um, and it's that's by creating something that's easy and friendly to use, and uh, and I agree. It's just you know things in moderation. Mm. You know, I, I, I think I think that's the, that's the right place to be, and um, I, I wanted to hear your feedback on that because I get a lot of those guys coming around uh, the channel and. And, and try to challenge it, and, and that's my response to them. I, I just don't understand why they're going so far off. And um, I, I just I, I have to ask because 
it's so cool to be on a, on a podcast yeah. talking about someone who's not like you have a community because there's not everyone else. You're, you're always evangelizing the people around you, not usually learning, yeah. right? But uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on on Craig Wright? And um, I mean, I, I mean, are you glad? Are you, are you happy about the fourth that he left Bitcoin Cash, or do you have thoughts and opinions on? Yeah, it? I mean, I, well, the first thing uh, I know about him, which I think is kind of amusing, is he's Australian, right? And so my uh, and I think that that just adds a little extra sort of uh, dimension. Not that I'm the most uh, patriotic person in the world, but I just found it interesting because he has a certain way of uh, talking and a certain sort of attitude. You know, he tries to be basically a little bit sort of no nonsense kind of you know straight talker type type of guy, right? In in his mind. And that does come a bit from the sort of Australian uh, approach to things where, you know, maybe people are a bit more blunt or direct or they're willing to swear a bit more or they're not as, you know, uh, sensitive mm-hmm. to, you know, in a large crowd trying to sort of play play to everyone kind of thing. And so he has, he has a bit of that brash attitude and I found that uh, very interesting. But really what, what it comes down to is that he... He was a law professor, essentially. Uh, he knows a lot about law. And, I mean, so do I. I studied law at university, right? So uh, I sort of have some insight into that. I never worked as a, a lawyer or anything, but I, I do know a bit about that. And every a lot of the time when you look at his arguments or things that he says, he always tries to bring it back to being about law. He doesn't want to argue about technology or code economics, uh, community. But is, isn't he Satoshi? Well, that's, that's, that's <laughs> right, exactly. Like, it just does not make the singlest bit of sense that Satoshi, who invented the world's most libertarian, you know, anarchist, uh, free market type of thing, and then published the white paper for free to everybody and never complained about it ever, would then suddenly turn around and say, you know what I need? I need government intervention. I need the courts. I need, you know, it's, it's self-defeating on the, on the face of it, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he's, he sued just about everyone, right? Yeah. You know, it's just not a successful, like the whole point of Bitcoin is that to a certain extent, it, it doesn't care about the law. You know, it's a, it's a phenomenon that was just introduced that plays on more fundamental Kind of aspects of human society obviously there is going to be a, a bit of a legal element to there uh, you know especially as it grows and the courts figure out how we're going to do this and what are we going to use but yeah with the uh, like craig right he just he he and at the same he um i wasn't too involved in the community at that time but when they had the the meeting in bangkok before the split the he just basically rage quit when he went to that because it, like they they say it's like techno babble, right? Where he he knows enough about the code to make a lot of impressive sort of sounding arguments, but when he's sitting down talking to the actual devs of the node softwares or for various businesses or, or whatever, work on Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash every single day at the code level, obviously all these arguments just fall apart because everyone's like, well, that's not right, that's not right, that's not right. So if you're talking to somebody who doesn't no, they, you can sort of say, ah, well, the blockchain and the signatures and the validations and everything, and everybody might go, well, it sounds authoritative, maybe it is right. But talking to somebody right. who knows, they're just going to see through it instantly, and that's pretty much what happens. So, 
uh, yeah, definitely. That's overall. That's that's kind of my views on, on him. Yeah, I wanted to get your input. Like I said, I don't get to talk to people as knowledge, knowledgeable about Bitcoin Cash and the, the history. Um, then with yeah, you, so yeah, I appreciate no, it's, that. it's pretty, it's it's uh, pretty cool. I mean, you know, you can always come on for another podcast. We'll do a different topic, which we'll is talk like I don't know, Bitcoin Cash miscellaneous uh, topics or something um, <laughs> as well too. But yeah, that is part of the podcast, right? I, I, I really think it's good. We got to create more of that in the that in the community, that kind of discussion. So yeah, but the yeah. the topic we had for today, I thought would be good because, like you said, I saw your video where you were talking about. Peter Schiff, and, and I've been a, a fan of his. I still am uh, with some reservations, but, um, you know, for a long time. So for people who don't know, Peter Schiff is, uh, like you said, he's an Austrian uh, kind of a, economist, uh, and he runs a company that is really big on gold. He loves gold, and he's sort of saying we should go back to the gold standard and talking about the history of money and everything. He has a really popular podcast, and very famously in you know, 2012 or 2013, because he's in that niche. A lot of people were writing into his show saying, oh, get, well, get involved in Bitcoin, what's going on with that? And is this the future and everything like that? And he looked at it and decided, no, it isn't. And he even has uh, had a chat with Eric Voorhees, who is a very uh, prominent, you know, early Bitcoiner who gave him some. And, you know, it, it was like in detail. He didn't just have a quick look at it and dismiss it. He did, he did properly investigate it in his own way. And basically he said, look, no, this is a bubble. And he has his own uh, reasons for that. And he's maintained that position almost unbelievably for, you know, nearly a decade now, more than nine years, as Bitcoin has proven him wrong every single time. He's just doubled down on it's an even bigger bubble, uh, you know, forever. And it's strange, because as somebody who should understand the, the fundamentals of what makes the money and how money comes to exist in society and so on he's missing it happening right in front of his own eyes uh, for real and the twist in the tale the plot twist is that in the last year or so his son who's called spencer uh who is about 18 years old yeah he's 18 years old he he got it though he got bitcoin or he's at least open-minded to cryptocurrencies and so now the two of them have been having this kind of uh, debate uh, on, back and forth on Twitter where uh, Peter says, basically, you know, Bitcoin's a bubble and it's all going away. And his son kind of fires back with, no, nah, no, nah, but, you know, gold's terrible and, and Bitcoin is where it's at, right? So I thought it might be funny to do a bit of a review of some of their, their tweets and their arguments uh, back and forth from a third party perspective uh, as a bit of a, a boxing match was how I... Uh, imagined it you know for a bit of uh flavor so i thought you might be a good guest for that uh because you were you were already commenting on this this dynamic <laughs> yeah uh so going back to um um peter i read his book years ago it's uh, it was called how an economy grows and why it crashes yeah. have you ever read yeah, that i've book? read that yeah it's with the fish it's right fans. it's the fish on the island and everything it's such a good representation on, on how an economy starts from this early man and then building money into society and then becoming this, you know, massive economy today. And, uh, like, like when my son gets old enough, like I'm going to read in this book, like I want him to understand how an economy grows and why it crashes and, and, and the issues with central economic banking and all these things. So like, and that's where, you know, I, I, I have this, like, I can't even like read that closely into Peter anymore is because 
like he should know and and i don't know why he really doesn't like you know and i just see him more as this guy shilling his gold and you know and uh and and standing on and he's picked this mountain to die on but it is so entertaining that you know someone as smart as he is and, and and missing bitcoin for whatever reason and then he can't even get his son on the same page <laughs> a few doors down from him in the house I wonder if they fight about it over dinner or whatnot, or maybe they're just giving some, you know, theater for everyone. Yeah. Um, because I wonder at what point, like, what will Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash's price be at when he, when you actually convert him? Because yeah. it took me years to get really converted too, you know. And I feel like I'm not sure everyone's education process towards accepting this this new internet magical money. Um, and I. I, 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 it took me years to really invest in it about no, and, and a lot of that was because of Peter's fault. But have you found, what was your story into it before we jump into it? How long did it take you to accept it as an investable, you know, what world changing idea? Well, that's, that's the thing, you know, I feel uh, I'm not so unique in this respect, but uh, definitely for me, it was, it was pretty quick to get it, but I understand why people don't Right, the way I found Bitcoin was because in 2013, um, or maybe I think it was 2013 or maybe it was even in 2012. But at a certain point, uh, my mate said to me, he said, uh, listen, you know, the price of Bitcoin crashed. And I didn't know that was the first time I ever heard the word Bitcoin. So I didn't know what it was, but I said, why'd it crash? <laughs> that was, uh, that was the, my first question. He said, well, because the Silk Road, uh, went down. I said, what's the Silk Road? He said, well, it's a drug market that they were using to, to buy drugs. And I said, okay, we should yeah. buy some Bitcoin then. And the reason is because I, I knew, look, if the, the, whatever this is, if the price has gone down because of this website, somebody will make another website and then it'll go back up. Sure. So, so that was, I was immediately like sort of opportunistic to that, um, you know, economic aspect to it. And so then shortly after that, I don't know, it wasn't like the next day or anything, but uh, a couple months later, um, you know, it was on my mind after he said that, and maybe I Googled it and looked up the price or whatever, uh, but it was on my mind. And so then I, I looked it up and I started reading the white paper. And at the time, um, you know, like I've been into computer programming for a very long time. So uh, those sort of tech, it wasn't the reading the white paper wasn't too, uh, you know, over my head or anything like that. I was, I was able to, you know, understand and follow what was, uh, what was in there. So I read that uh, and then uh, I, I was, you know, sort of, turning that over but i was already thinking look i got to get some of this and then my um that was then how i so i went the other way so then that's how i found out about peter schiff and i found out about mike maloney and all those other um you know gold sort of based people or like um i remember what's his name ah oh, it's not uh jeffrey tucker like those those kind of people yeah. like there's a lot of, of those sort of austrian economics uh, type thinkers who are on various spectrums when it comes to to bitcoin in terms of their support or how quickly they jumped on on board or whatever um so i found yeah. a lot of them through that but i was already sold on bitcoin and i was already thinking yeah this is going to be the the global reserve currency right and i started telling everybody all my friends all my family and everybody was like you are nuts mate so uh <laughs> and and so for me it's it's more just a process of watching uh, as it as it spreads around is like you're saying at what at what point does it take to convince somebody and that's that's actually quite a good thing I think it's not 
there's a lot of aspects to it that are like a seem like a scam, right? Where okay, it's to do with money and finance and it's online and there was a lot of sketchy dealings in the early days and all of this sort of stuff. So if you're not a very uh, forward thinking and, and you know, sort of freedom minded uh, person that believes in, you know, free markets and all that sort of stuff, it's very easy to just dismiss it. And so as a result, what you have is a process where the earliest people who could think the furthest ahead and and extrapolate the trend from literally just Laszlo buying that pizza, right? That was the key moment where a transaction was made. As soon as that happened, it became a, um, you know, a race as to who could understand that it would go from that to spreading around the whole, the whole globe. And so then all those early sort of people were piling in, right? So I was somewhat in the mix, you know, uh, of those kind of early days. And then from there, you have, uh, you know, as each new person comes on board, that it's a self-fulfilling prophecy where they make it more likely that it will become that way. And so people are on a bell curve in terms of how quickly they're going to clue in that, wait, this is actually going to happen. And there's always more people in that next segment because the previous people jump on board and that makes it more convincing to the next group. And so, yeah, now we're in a situation where, like, I've been, you know, saying Bitcoin's going to be the future for eight or nine years and I know some people that I've been telling them for eight years and they've got you know at some point they got on board they said well, wait Jeremy's right actually I gotta, I gotta start listening and then I have some people that I've been telling for eight years and they still think this guy's an idiot there's no way it's ever going to happen even though you know from my perspective there's just been a landslide of evidence that I'm right pretty much constantly the whole time but for some people either they're not looking at that evidence or they're just they're busy with their life. People are busy, you know, so it's hard for something to get on your radar and be as uh, a focus to you. So, uh, yeah, that, I, I kind of remember what the original question was, but that, that's sort of my uh, perspective on it. Well, yeah, I just think it's like looking back on it, like when we're, we're talking to our grandkids, they're going to be like, what were you doing when this 1000 year event occurred when humans changed their medium of exchange? Like it was seashells and it was gold and it was, you know, fiat. And now, now it's going to be cryptocurrency. I, I feel like it's that monumental. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why it's so cool to get involved in like what you're doing and creating a podcast and, you know, and trying to create in commerce. Like, like be part of uh, this, this, you know, once in a thousand year event. Yeah, really. absolutely. And, and I definitely see it that way. In 50 years, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to have a tough time explaining to their, their kid or, or whatever, you know, or their grandkids or something where the kid says, Oh, so granddad, why didn't you buy Bitcoin? And it's like, you know, how, how do you explain? Like, you can't really rationalize that. It's like, oh, well, you know, I thought it was a scam. Or, like, it, people aren't going to say that. Their, their ego gets invested in, you know, protecting the story. But the facts will be, if you didn't have any, you didn't have any. Like, uh, if you've only got a small amount of uh, Bitcoin cash, even though you were around at the time and you could have bought it, then it's like, well, did you not hear about it? Well, no, you know, my... A friend told me about it or did we were you not interested or 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 what right so i mean people do double down yeah. right and and peter is kind of a, a classic case of that where people have a psychological desire to be consistent with their previous statements and actions right so i mean like for instance we've seen uh mark cuban for instance he was like sort of anti-crypto this is never going to work and now he's getting way on the hype train with nfts and all this stuff he still hasn't quite 
clicked on all of it, I think, but enough evidence has sort of trickled in that he's decided, look, the hit is going to be bigger to not change my mind than to change my mind. But, you know, Peter, yeah. Peter is not at that at that stage yet. <laughs> so, yeah, so let's take a look. So this is obviously a classic father versus son matchup. This is why I really enjoy this um, dynamic as well too because, uh, you know, I've argued with my dad. <laughs> a lot of people have argued with their parents, probably everyone on the planet. So everybody understands, you know, there's a bit of a new versus old, you know, old school versus new school and, like, every generation in a family, you kind of inherit some of the things from your parents and then you, you switch it up on on other aspects too. So uh, we've got here, I've done a little boxing uh, profile for them. So Peter Schiff, 58 years old. He's the CEO of uh, Euro Pacific Capital. He's a, a gold bug, uh, loves that more than fiat currency, more than crypto. He's all about gold as the best. Uh, I've got his qualifying bout for this match was that he predicted the 2008 financial crisis. So that's obviously, you know, puts him in the arena as a understanding uh, money and, and knowing what's going on. Uh, and then his exploitable weakness is that he only understands about 90% of uh, how Bitcoin can be money. He's most of the way there, but he's not quite there. Mm. And then on the other side, we've got his uh, son, Spencer Shift. He's 18 years old. I didn't actually have a source for this, but I'm pretty sure he's studying uh, economics at university. Maybe he's not. He can, <laughs> he can correct me on Twitter if he, if he wants to. And he is a Bitcoin maximalist. So he's on the other. He's all in on Bitcoin. No other cryptos. Bitcoin is the one and only true way. Never Forget about gold. Forget about fiat. All of that. His qualifying bout is that despite 18 years of exposure to his dad, he figured out that crypto has got something going on. So that's... You know that's a that's a pretty pretty big achievement there. He easily could have just been uh, you know following all the same logic, um, and his exploitable weakness is actually the same that he only understands Bitcoin as money about ninety percent. Mm. It's a different ninety percent to his dad, but he's still missing ten uh, percent of uh, the truth in there, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, so it started off uh, here. <laughs> I, I don't know if this was the original <laughs> earliest one, but uh, Peter posted this tweet. Got here from September 7th, 2020. I think there was even some earlier sort of banter, but it started with, against my advice, my son at, Spence, at Schiff Spencer just bought even more Bitcoin. What adv Whose advice do you want to follow? A 57-year-old experienced investor, business owner who's been an investment professional for over 30 years, or an 18-year-old college freshman who's never even had a job? And according to the Twitter votes, 80% of people were <laughs> backing his... Um, his son, right? Which is is fair enough, you know? It's funny because this is already a bit of a flawed argument from Peter. It, it, experience counts, but on the other hand, it counts less in terms of a disruptive technology, right? Because that's everybody knows that. Like a 12-year-old probably is on the cutting edge more than a, you know, 80-year-old, right? So I, I, I don't know. it was interesting that he, he was kind of like, the fact that I'm older means that I should understand something new faster, right? Mm -hmm. but, and, and something to point out against Peter is, you know, he's this amazing bubble identifier. Also the financial crisis, the dot-com bubble, any yeah. bubble he predicted. But but he, he's such a great bubble predictor, he doesn't know how to capitalize on, on the yeah. bubble. Like, he you know, um, and in terms, even if he thought Bitcoin was a bubble, um, you know, I guess he just doesn't feel any need to ever speculate. Just hold gold and silver forever. 
and uh, and go from there. But but I'm also upset that he he kind of pushed me away from the stock market too, or the United States stock market, mm-hmm. which just had a, an amazing ten year run, and he just keeps on saying bubble, bubble, bubble. You know. Yeah. So uh, a broken clock is right twice a day, and that's been his whole professional career. Yeah, you know. I mean, he he hates that saying, but I it's funny because yeah, against this uh, Peter and Spencer, are gonna get into it a little bit more my opinions on each of their uh takes you know uh and the listeners can obviously decide for themselves or check it check in on uh peter and spencer's uh you know twitter or, or get their perspectives too but uh i think what what peter has is is the same that i have in terms of he's thinking in the long run you know he's thinking in 20 years are we still going to have the dollar is that going to be a bubble or the stock market or, or whatever he's He's thinking, is something going to last that long and succeed on that kind of time frame? And he allocates his investments there. Like it's sort of the same philosophy of it's better to be five years early than five seconds late, right? And that's, um, so I think that kind of plays into his uh, mindset. And that's both a strength and a weakness, right? On one hand, it lets him see, okay, these bubbles are coming. It's going to be a big issue or whatever but then on the other hand it also means that with something like bitcoin cash he doesn't have the quiet or with bitcoin i suppose i don't know how uh, savvy he is on bitcoin cash probably not very uh you know as to how you know how things could develop or how how they could play out in that way he doesn't he doesn't really have that um future sight so we got round one of the boxing match peter versus spencer so peter posted the only reason at Elon Musk will exchange a hashtag Tesla for hashtag Bitcoin is that he wants the Bitcoin. The unit of account for the sale will still be dollars. None of the Bitcoin received will be used to pay expenses. Therefore, these are barter transactions. Bitcoin won't be used as money. And Spencer uh, came in with the reply, when Bitcoin inevitably becomes a common unit of account, will you finally concede that you were wrong all along? So I've given this one. This is a one zero to uh, Spencer. I don't think he's he's got he's had the biggest like zinger here or anything. But basically, I, you know, Peter is missing the mark because if he he understands obviously that there's three things to a money. You know, it's got to be a medium of exchange, a store of value, and a unit of account. And he's kind of saying, well, Bitcoin's not a unit of account, therefore it's not money. But that doesn't mean it can't become money. And he even admits that this is a, a barter transaction. And really the history of money is that something gets bartered and then once it becomes the most bartered thing, that's that's just money by default, right? So he, he should understand that and be able to see that trend because previously he said nobody even wants Bitcoin. It's just for speculation. But now with uh, you know Elon accepting it, he's, he's effectively silently conceded that point and moved the goalposts uh, to now, well, somebody does want it, right? Uh, for Tesla's, like it's not, it's not for nothing. So it, it's it, yeah, exactly. It's being bartered around. So the more it gets bartered, eventually it just becomes the money. You know, uh, that's so. That's my thought. What's your take on this uh, first round here? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And um, and just in general, with Tesla taking it, um, like I thought that was just a huge step forward for the, this whole cycle. And um, and, and just when everyone gets gets awoken to it, because like like every like I feel like in terms of like I'm really into the technical charts of these bubble mm-hmm. cycles with currency and like and if you watch more of my videos, like I'm predicting price action given you know previous market cycles. So like the market 
of cryptocurrency is likely to go to seven trillion based on prior trends. And the Elon, I feel like I'm watching like a simulation occur. Like, how do we go from two hundred billion to seven trillion within a year? Well, you need like Elon Musk to come out of the woodwork, and these people come out and legitimize it and, and create the speculation. And then the people are just, you know, they're just making the charts come true on what told you was going to happen. Yeah. For me, as, as an investor. Like I am an ad adopter of Bitcoin Cash, but I'm, I'm an investor in a cryptocurrency in general, a speculator. Yeah. It, it, um, but uh, but yeah, that, that's the, the, that whole phenomenon that happening. Um, but real quick, it's in small font. Do you mind reading me Spencer's reply? Oh uh, yeah, he time? says, "When Bitcoin inevitably becomes a common unit of account, will you finally concede that you were wrong all along?" So Peter, so Peter, that's, that's all he's got left, right? <laughs> that's right exactly before he was able to say look it's not a medium of exchange because nobody's trading it for anything but now that's happening and then he was able to say i guess it's not a store of value but the fact is the value's been going up so you know since uh well maybe you know recently it could be volatile but he can't you know he heard about it when it was twenty dollars so now it's uh, <laughs> you know fifty thousand or sixty thousand like you, you know, for as much as he loves the free market, he can't deny that the market is consistently voting against him uh, on this one, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that, you know, I, I thought Peter could have or should have loved it. Like you said, he did look at it when, when Eric talked about it in the early days. And, uh, you know, other economists like the late Milton Friedman talked about an internet cash and e-cash occurring one day. And, you know, so um, I guess it's just Peter could have been a big, person in human history in terms of economic thought if he was yeah. up front and he's just still missing it but maybe spencer will be the the one instead to uh to, to be the great econ economist shift moving forward because his dad yeah. was fantastic too I, I love peter's dad um yeah he died a martyr you know mm. um uh, are you familiar with peter's father yeah it's uh, his name was owen schiff i think right or uh and he was in he was in prison uh in prison for some of what I don't know all the all the great details, but yeah, I don't know where about. He ended up in prison. Yeah, as a, and he just felt like the United States was unlawfully collecting his taxes, mm. and he was being civilly disobedient and died in jail. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it, you know. So quite quite a family, quite the quite the lineage <laughs> here, here we have going on, and it's true. You can see some, uh, you know, the whole history of money uh, playing out in this in this uh, family, right? So fascinating. Uh, Fascinating story. So, all right, so we got round two now. Uh, Peter says, gold's decline on rising inflation data has nothing to do with Bitcoin. Hashtag gold isn't being sold because investors are hedging inflation with Bitcoin instead, but because they believe there's no need to hedge as a transitory rise in inflation will be contained by future rate hikes. So this is, uh, I mean, this is Peter's bread and butter, right? He's always commenting on, inflation and the you know federal reserve and their interest rates and all that sort of stuff so spencer comes back this one's a bit more zinger he's just got nice and simple TikTok, and then he's quoted this uh um tweet from documenting bitcoin it says progress of bitcoin becoming worth more than all the gold in the world so 1.1 trillion out of 10.9 trillion so 10 percent and so that that <laughs> that's that's really it like even if Peter can sort of justify to himself that maybe on any given day that, uh, you know, gold is, is completely disconnected from Bitcoin, in the abstract, he's just wrong, which is that 
younger investors or any investors, even big banks now, are going for, they're ignoring gold to, to get Bitcoin. Like I bought some um, precious metals. I bought some silver like back in the day when I was learning all about this. And I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the more I thought about it, the more I, so I had some crypto, I had some precious metals. And the more I thought about it, I thought, I don't want precious metals though. I, I just would rather have more crypto. You know, it's, uh, it's easier to store. It's easier to transport. It's more, you know, secure uh, if you manage it properly. And it's going to be the future. So it's going to grow in value. Whereas with precious metals, that's the opposite. The use case for precious metals uh, in terms of storing value has been essentially replaced by, by cryptocurrency. And in this case, it's just so well illustrated because Spencer literally is the investor that is ignoring gold to go with Bitcoin. <laughs> and yet he says investors aren't ignoring gold to go with Bitcoin. Yeah, I give that one to Spencer as well. And it's something I like to point out in terms of just any commodity in investing, but but specifically gold and silver, is it, it, the the opportunity to invest is when it's when it's a horrible thing to mine per se. Gold has been too profitable to gold to mine for too many years now, and in the after the 2011 kind of spike in price, gold mines opening up everywhere, and they could easily fire any of them back up. So anytime if a demand were to spike, the supply is just not is going to constrain it. It's not going to have you know huge pricing increasing. Where on the other hand, something like Bitcoin, where you have a halving cycle that kind of starts these bull cycles, it chokes the the, the supply chain. And if demand just stays constant, price goes vertical. So it has this better mechanism in appreciating for value than waiting on the cyclical nature of a commodity to go into a bear cycle to and then make it a horrible business, and then we have to overpay miners to go out to pull it out. Which creates better price appreciation, and and Peter, as a good economist, should should know this. Like supply and demand is going to drive value, and gold just doesn't have the fundamentals. Yeah. And and on top of that, you have this new internet store of value and medium exchange eating its lunch. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's not a good. Combination. I completely agree with you, and it's it's uh, it was sort of a genius move among many many genius moves by Satoshi to put in that halving cycle because it fuels these kind of manias and rallies, which obviously Bitcoin or cryptocurrency have been very known for. And while that's a negative thing in, you know, in terms of a lot of people get burnt on the way up and the way down, there's just no way around that with uh, everybody uncovering a new form of money and adapting it into society, that was always going to happen. But by having that, because Satoshi could have just made a straight line where it just went up at this constant rate uh, you know, for however long until it got to the end. But instead, by having that uh, issuance increasing at a decreasing rate, it, it provides those opportunities for those huge manias, which then bring so much attention uh, and interest from the from the media and so on and so forth and helps create that self-fulfilling cycle. Yeah. I think that's what's helped create this massive network effect, you know, this this um this asset that's become a trillion dollar asset in 12 years and then a few months later a two trillion dollar asset <laughs> yeah exactly it's just gonna well it's just gonna keep going up so yeah this is uh this is a solid 2-0 for uh spencer i think at this point uh on this point he, he's got it right cryptocurrency is just inevitable and it's just uh taking over gold but uh bitcoin can't see it all right so we've got round three so Peter says, congratulates to my son, Spencer K. Schiff, on hitting 60K Twitter followers. I just wish he would go back to posting mostly insightful tweets about the US economy and financial markets rather than mainly posting nonsense about Bitcoin. And Spencer, with a scorching reply here, 
says, thank you. I just wish you would only post tweets about the US economy and financial markets rather than nonsense about Bitcoin. And so this is just a clear trio here for Spencer. This is like, look, uh, even if even if Peter is skeptical of Bitcoin, he can't deny that more and more often he is posting about it himself, uh, whether it's because of his you know son or any, anything else, right? And Spencer just calls him out for that. And he also is just hitting on the key... Uh, point really that Peter doesn't understand Bitcoin so his commentary even obviously we said he's researched it or he's tried using it a little bit but he's kind of starting from a position where he wants to find that it's a failure rather than coming at it from an open mind so of course because he's got those preconceptions he just doesn't get it you know and I think you know he would probably struggle to explain if you asked him okay at a technical level how does a blockchain work? Like he's not a coder. He doesn't know about that. Or if you asked him about a lot of the stuff I've covered on this show, right? Like in terms of how the adoption cycle happens and how, uh, you know, how it can spread his money or how it can go from not a currency to a currency, all those kind of things. He clearly doesn't know about those because if he did, he would be on the cryptocurrency train with all the other smart people in the world that are, that are figuring it out. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's almost like a, a marketing ploy, though, for for Peter to to stay relevant in the conversation, uh, to be eccentric on the other side, and um, and, and it, I don't know how it affects Europac's bottom line or his gold sales, but there has to be an audience for what he's what he's saying, even though um, I, I don't know how people can look at the scoreboard and say, yeah, no, I'm going to go with Peter. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. I, I agree with you. I'm sure there is some sort of marketing angle to it. I, I mean, it's, it sort of comes to this point about another reason that cryptocurrency is inevitable is that it's just off. It's an offer that is too good to refuse at a certain point, which is that for people like Spencer, like me, like you, like anybody, they've figured out that crypto is the future. And then the only logical thing to do once you understand that is to jump on board and then you become part of the the you know spreading it and uh, advocating for it and so on and so forth right and so everybody should look at it and understand so there is i suppose a market for being anti-cryptocurrency but that's a market that is shrinking uh, whereas the market for supporting cryptocurrency is constantly growing the economy is constantly booming in terms of the amount of services the amount of people that are interested the amount of consumers that want to transact with it and even just the intellectual market in terms of uh you know peter has gone from okay maybe he was on sort of the right side in the in the public's mind as oh, bitcoin's a bubble or whatever and the world is just slowly the meter is just shifting away from him at a faster and faster rate until eventually you just become known as the person who is outdated and missed it you just get ignored because it's like all right well what we've already decided your opinion's irrelevant <laughs> like uh mo moving forward right <laughs> okay Cool. So we've got here, finally, finally, Peter gets stabbed back in. I've got to, you know, balance the conversation a little bit. I don't think Spencer has everything right. So we have here, Peter says, so far in 2021, Bitcoin has lost 90% of its value versus Dogecoin. This was at the peak of the Dogecoin uh, mania recently. The market has spoken. Absolute zinger. <laughs> Dogecoin is eating Bitcoin. All the Bitcoin pumpers who claim Bitcoin is better than gold because its price has risen more than golds, must now concede that Dogecoin is better than Bitcoin. And so Spencer comes back with always zoom out. Bitcoin will outperform every shitcoin, including Dogecoin, over the coming years. So 
this this one Peter Peter gets a hit in. Like on this point, he's he's got Spencer beat in my opinion because obviously Bitcoiners love or, or Spencer you know has said about the price is appreciating versus gold. Therefore, that makes it superior. And obviously, Peter can pick any of the other cryptos on any given week that are going up or down. Uh, and say, look, there you go. That's just, that's the same proof there. Then, uh, by your own logic, uh, you know, obviously, um, these other cryptos are superior to to Bitcoin. And so, there's, there's sort of a bit of a balance here in the sense that, in the Spencer is right that in the long run, if you look at the price, that's that is a, over a longer time frame, like over ten years or twenty years, maybe the price is a pretty good indicator of what the market is voting for. But also in the short term. It, it, you know, it doesn't matter. And so being myself uh, advocating for Bitcoin Cash, you know, I will concede, obviously, that Bitcoin Cash is doing worse on price than Bitcoin. But I also don't think that's a, that's a, that's not the killer factor. It's not the price. And so Bitcoin has loved to advocate for we have the higher price, therefore we are the best, which is the same reason that uh, they, you know, uh, talk shit about um, gold and while we were mentioning it before yeah it, it's one factor to consider it's not the whole picture though so it is quite uh you know quite a good jab there by by Peter to to say look uh if it's all about the price you know we can obviously pick any different uh metric there yeah I think it plays into getting these people into the space and uh and then having a conversation about you know, the block size, the history of it, um, the utility of it, is off-chain solution the best way to go or not? And, and like, how, how are we actually going to change the world with this technology? Um, which, you know, again, where I think Spencer loses here because he is being a Bitcoin maximalist. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I just wonder at, at what at maybe the next market cycle, we start seeing some big names, you know, really switch their, their tone on it. And, uh, and looking at the, the direction... We do see major institutions like Microsoft and PayPal. Like Bitcoin Cash is in, in a lot of these areas where institutions do see it. Um, I, I just don't understand. Um, I don't understand Bitcoin maximalism in general. Like, uh, what, 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 what do you think is is attractive to people about being Bitcoin maximalist? Well, it's a weird one because it comes it comes from some very solid history in one sense, which is that. If you, I've talked about on the podcast before, but if you if you rewind back to, let's say pre twenty fourteen when um, or pre twenty fifteen maybe where the altcoin market was really booming, uh, if you look back at that time, there was other cryptocurrencies. You know, there was like Litecoin, obviously, and then Feathercoin and Namecoin and Primecoin and all these coins that have basically just faded out of existence, right? There was a, quite a market even in the early days for altcoins. But the thing about it was that Bitcoin was the main game. Like it was 95% of the economy at least was there in terms of the market cap, all of the intellectual investment as well, all the adopters were there, all the projects were there. Everything was just kicking off hardcore in Bitcoin. So that sort of split between the Bitcoin and altcoins goes back to those early days where I at, the, at that time... I would have agreed. I would have been sort of more, uh, you know, Bitcoin is the one and only way because it was about magnifying the network effect of having everybody on the same currency. And because there wasn't these problems with scaling and community grief and whatever, everybody was just on the same page and it was kicking off and it was great. Like if we'd started at that time with 
15 different currencies, you know, competing probably wouldn't have gone so well. The The reason that it was strong is because everybody was united. So despite being so small, I mean, now even cryptocurrency is still small, but in then it's, it amazes me when I look back actually how fringe uh, it was. Uh, but, you know, so that, that was at that time that was correct. But then the reason that uh, when Ethereum was the first sort of major innovation in that Litecoin was an altcoin, but it didn't really <laughs> add anything. But when Vitalik looked at this uh, scaling and he said, look, okay, never mind, I'm going to start my own thing. Uh, and then he slowly started growing that and showing a different use case uh, and, and everything like that. That sort of really started to put the, the digs in that it couldn't just all be about Bitcoin. It was going to be cryptocurrency as a movement. And then Classically, with the split from Bitcoin to Bitcoin Cash, well, that really just settles the argument because it was going to be peer-to-peer electronic cash, you know, Bitcoin Cash, uh, electronic cash system in the white paper. So if Bitcoin's not going to be that, then you can't say, well, the whole thing is just Bitcoin because something's got to be actually usable. It's called cryptocurrency, right? It needs to be a currency. At least one of them does. <laughs> Otherwise, what are we doing here? You know. So, in that respect, uh, the combination of the censorship um, at the time of the the debate and the renewed focus on the investment angle rather than the currency tradability, uh, you know, angle combined with there was already some sort of seeds of that which were correct but in a different era uh those two things sort of fused together to make what we now have which is these really toxic maximalists that just deny there is any point to any other cryptocurrency and somehow you know like i said about the 90 percent they understand crypto mostly but they're still kind of missing a key element and and they're and they're not like nice about it you know (laughs) Uh, how do you try? I, I try to engage with uh, Bitcoin Maximals too, and I, and I try to be like you know you're not gonna. That's what again getting into you know creating a brand and what you're doing here is fantastic. The Bitcoin Cash podcast, but to like being able like again like I always think back to like elections like mm. whoever is just throwing dirt at the other side ends up like looking worse, right? Mm. Um, so I think in terms of I don't know I, I, getting in people's hands, trying to create more of a network around it. And, uh, and when they try to come in, a lot of times they'll try to call Bitcoin Cash a scam because, you know, we use the same white paper, we, you know, Bitcoin.com endorses it, uh, and they think they're misleading people into what Bitcoin is. And, uh, and, and I'm just curious to you, someone else that, that's in this environment, how do you engage with that type of conversation? Well, I think what you've got to understand is that it's from a very short-sighted kind of thing that response is mostly driven by fear the reason that uh bitcoin people are that so maximalist in that sense is uh like i said back in the day it was because everybody knew that it was better to have a stronger network effect but uh, people nobody was hating on litecoin or anything everyone was like okay well bitcoin's where the action is but nobody was going out of their way to just you know well like a little bit but it, it wasn't like it is today basically and so but for now, you know, you don't see Bitcoin maximalists. They're not rabidly against like Bitcoin SV, for instance, or, you know, they have a specific hatred for, for Bitcoin Cash, basically, because it's a threat. And while they generally might also be like, ah, oh, Ethereum's kind of different or useless, or there's a lot of scams in cryptocurrency, which is something that everybody can sort of agree on. Um, 
<laughs> you know, it, I, yeah. I, heard, I heard a funny, I heard a funny joke uh, or Ethereum, like uh, Ethereum, a, a, a great Ponzi scheme to launch other Ponzi schemes. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> right. yeah, exactly. And, and I, like, I like Ethereum. Don't don't get me wrong, but there there is some truth. To yeah, that. <laughs> that's right. And it, it is because because the whole space there's such a high delta between the scams and the you know future of the world currency. Uh, and there's also very low knowledge in the market in terms of people understanding all these things, you know, that's part of like this podcast, right? As I'm hoping to sort of condense a lot of this down so that people can at least get to the bottom of all this because it's, you know, nearly impossible without years in the space to understand all these different intricacies. And so in that sense, uh, yeah, when if people want to say, oh, Bitcoin cash is a scam, whatever, I mean, mostly my attitude is to just ignore them because either they can listen to this podcast and I have uh, episodes about BCH versus BTC and they can listen to that and, and understand. Like I did the debate of Kim.com versus um, BTC Maxis. I think that's a great episode uh, that's great. You know, that you could uh, link link to people if they want to, uh, you know, because Kim does a great job of explaining and then I sort of commented on uh, some of the points that he made as well too. But uh, basically, if you are uh, a Bitcoin uh, maximalist, you you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot because everyone can agree that 99% of the world doesn't really use crypto at this stage. And certainly like 99.9% doesn't use it for commerce. They don't trade it every day or buy their lunch with it or whatever. And so there's a huge pool, like an overwhelming pool of people who are, who are basically undecided, you know, if there was like green and orange, you know, lights over people's heads, they, they've just got gray where they, they have no decision or no uh, investment either way. And those people are going to be so much more amenable to Bitcoin cash, because like you said, it's a friendlier community. It's not all this toxic I'm going to get rich instantly. A lot of people don't want to get rich instantly. Even if Bitcoin could do that for them, they're just not interested for what they are interested, you know, if they are, might be interested in the future of money or technology or in, uh, you know, activism uh, after a certain fashion or whether they can do something, you know, use a new app that they couldn't use uh, before that had money integration somehow, right? All those so, things, uh, yeah, are going to sway them to yeah. Bitcoin Cash. And looking for areas that it's useful. And yeah. uh, for example, I told you I'm paying my, my I use a graphic designer. Mm. I should probably look into this a little bit more, but he's in India and I've been paying him on PayPal. I'm like, hey, you got fees here, this, that. Why don't we, why don't you try this? Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, I live in Florida and I, I'll sell some, uh, I, I'm in the restaurant equipment business. I'll sell some things to people in the Bahamas or different islands. Like, oh, you know, and like she wanted to add something to her order and she's like, well, I got to go to Western Union, this, that, wire, it's going to take like a week. I was like, you can literally text me money in seconds. Like the fact that you're getting stressed about this mm. is, uh, is, is silly. So, you know, looking for those opportunities to find it more and more useful is really important. And I wanted to add real quick, you know, the, your commentary on Kim and, and just overall that dialogue with the Bitcoin maximalist, which all of this Bitcoin cash people bringing people in are going to have to learn this. This dialogue is going to have to happen over and over again to, to turn over this huge network effect Yeah, and, and the branding towards it. I think Kim's done such a good job of just, he stayed so calm in that. And like, again, he wasn't the one throwing stones at the other side. He was trying to have a civil discussion on this true revolutionary technology that is trying to scale for the world. Like at the end, that's what we're doing. It's not a religion, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and I just really appreciated his demeanor. 
And, and I, I like having someone like that in this community where we're trying to create a positive brand, you know? So, yeah. I uh, wanted to add to that, add to, to, to what, and I'm, I'm again, I'm, I'm glad Kim's here. I can't wait to see the, the, what he's building. That's going to be very exciting for Bitcoin cash. Yeah. Uh, I am. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we'll see, you know, when that uh, comes out later this year, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting point because it's not appreciated. I don't think by, uh, especially newer converts to Bitcoin who are getting into it and their plan is everybody's going to buy this and I'm going to get rich basically, is that they don't understand that if you wind back the clocks a little bit, the reason that Bitcoin became successful was because it had a super strong, passionate community who were innovating and delivering, making apps, making media, making all this sort of stuff, right? And that's how it got from where they'd never heard of it to they you know, were interested or they were convinced to buy it. Well, all those people have left, basically, you know, there are some sort of still a little bit, but the early crypto adopters, and it's very hard for people who are newer to under to see this because they don't necessarily know who those people were or they weren't, uh, you know, they didn't see that process of the innovation starting and everything that has now moved to all the other coins, mostly to Bitcoin Cash and to Ethereum, basically, uh, you know, in my uh, understanding, my perspective, that is where probably 70 or 80 percent of the most innovative productive you know different uh investors have have gone to but you know to some other coins as well there are different projects that they they like or maybe they even stop doing as much cryptocurrency like my or you know people like that so it but the thing is if you look at the coin value today you know you're trying to invest in the one that's going to be good in the future and things that are valuable take time to produce uh, entrepreneurs and innovators they don't just start up something then instantly it's a success right they have to spend a lot of time they have to get it working they have to release it they have to market it all that stuff so what you need to be looking at is indicators in a coin today that those projects are starting and they'll probably be rolling in a year or in two years and in bitcoin now there's just not really any of those projects there's none of those people the big people who are big influencers in that community people like michael saylor or whatever they're literally just hyping up the price and the ones who are maybe more in the sense of going to be innovative or driving the currency forward people like elon musk he's he's not actually that strongly he doesn't have a strong allegiance to bitcoin he's not in it for bitcoin even though he started with that you know dipping his toes in the water a little bit you can already see that he knows look this is cryptocurrency it's for the world you know, all those kind of things. And he likes Dogecoin, right? So he's obviously clearly not a Bitcoin maximalist. And he, whatever projects or whatever stuff he cooks up, it's not going to be, this is going to give Bitcoin the edge against every other currency because he's either going to make a project and have it accept Bitcoin and other currencies, or he might just think, actually, Bitcoin doesn't really work. So I'll do it with Bitcoin Cash or I'll do it with Dogecoin or, you know, whatever his well, thoughts are. Did you see, I'm trying to remember the name of his YouTube channel. He's, he's doing a lot of Bitcoin cash content, but the, the, the gentleman that won, that told Elon he'll buy a 111 Tesla model threes. If he accepts it in Bitcoin cash and puts it on his Twitter, yeah. which is a interesting marketing ploy. And it just, you know, kind of like the nature of crypto, like Elon and Elon kind of the, being the troll he is, he can really pump up some Tesla sales by saying, yeah, if you buy X amount, I'll, I'll accept in your currency or, yeah. or what. But um, but I thought that was that was pretty interesting. Yeah, and he did interact with Kim and uh and, and dialogue, 
acknowledging Bitcoin Cash's utility. So yeah, that was. I think it's. I think it's on his mind. He's going to come around to it eventually. I think that I'll buy 111 Teslas. That that was a very interesting type of thing because does Elon really care about selling 111 Teslas? Yeah, probably he does. You know, I mean, he on one hand he is the richest person in the world or whatever, and so you would think he doesn't care about like you know money but if he didn't care about money he could just stop running his companies and just retire onto an island right so he does he does want to you know increase his sales and and so and it's a bit it's just a bit of a gambit right because it's like here's the here's the prawn on the end of the hook like you're gonna <laughs> buy it you know and it is it's it's clever because it's to elon's benefit to take him up on that not only because he could directly sell the tes you know the teslas and uh, do that part of it, but also because obviously he knows that he's being baited to sort of shift the market. But he, you know, if he's going to do that, he can benefit himself. He can buy up a bunch of Bitcoin cash before, you know, before he makes that announcement as well, too. So it's a, it's a cool. I think the way I've been a fan of uh, Elon for a long time. Uh, I'm a Tesla's my largest stock position. I, I drive a Model 3. Mm. Uh, and uh, he, you know, but his real mission, if you want to connect with him, is isn't necessarily money driven. It's it's you know creating you know a multiplanetary species. So whatever way, if, if Bitcoin Cash can create more economic freedom for more people to be able to do that, and making Tesla a bigger company to make more resources for him to be able to do that, uh, absolutely, he's interested. And just knowing, and there was one day he put a fork in his uh, Twitter profile, and I was like, oh my god, is he gonna? <laughs> Cash. Uh, shortly after he was making all, uh, he he they announced Tesla adding uh, Bitcoin to the balance sheet and things like that. So yeah, um, I think it's inevitable for for them to accept it. You know, I think uh, that they're going to have issues. I'm sure people are trying to pay with it, and uh, you know, transactions taking hours and customer complaints. I mean, I, Elon's not, Elon's a smart guy. Yeah. I think he. I think he'll find. Yeah, yeah. I've said before on this. Uh, on this show as well like yeah I, I think so i mean there was even uh just on their support website you know they have some commentary there about what are the different bitcoin forks and like what is bitcoin cash and bitcoin like it's clearly it's on their mind and there's been a bit of back and forth in uh previous episodes uh maybe i'll link them in the description or something where i talked about look we found that they put up these descriptors and they took them down and then they changed it and they put them back up like there was obviously conversations going on internally about how to how do we handle this or how do we how do we manage it so, so who, who like obviously it was like michael saylor it was, it was a large influence on elon there like who is it from the uh, bitcoin cash community that like, i feel like they're going to want to speak to someone and i feel like you know having bitcoin.com as a place to go mm. is is very useful to courting not only tesla but all these future you know large companies and and helping create uh, a larger uh, platform for, for Bitcoin Cash and, and, and whatever other resources we can have to build the community here. But. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, you know, maybe Kim or maybe uh, Roger can can talk to him at some point. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, yeah, people want to talk to someone big, but I think to me it's more about, you know, the way you convince someone of, of something is for them to them to get interested themselves, right? You don't want to go to them with a sales pitch, blah blah blah, blah all this stuff, right? Uh, people are just instantly kind of off put by that. Instead, uh, my approach is like the opposite of, uh, like I said in that previous episode where I was talking about proof of passion and, and things like that. Is 
if we can create a enough of a community drive and momentum, Elon, just like everybody else in the world, will see that happening. And he, he'll probably see it faster than most people too. And he'll clue yeah. in that this is where the action is. And then he will find those people himself. And then that solves the problem because he will find whoever he trusts, you know, to get him that uh, information. So that that's where I think the the game plan should be for the for the currency is we should we should be like internally focused we should be making bitcoin cash amazing and that will just attract other people rather than necessarily uh spreading it uh so much uh, I, don't, I don't know i agree I, I agree with that awesome all right cool so just back to this uh debate then uh of <laughs> peter and um spencer shift so having having talked over a few of their points there that uh, you know, they both had sort of some relevant uh, points on either side. I've got uh, my section where I'm going to give my opinion on what each of them could do to really just pull ahead in this debate. So if either of them watches this uh, this podcast, here here is how you get the upper hand. So for Peter, what he really needs to do is read up a bit more on crypto, right? He's always trying to assess cryptocurrency based on the metric of gold. Uh, rather than on the metric of the fundamentals of money or the trend. Uh, so really what he needs to do is start, he's sort of done this a little bit with his uh, Dogecoin you know, comparisons, is he needs to realize, look, the, the key things for cryptocurrency are things like the fee structure that drives away users, whether it's being adopted for real commerce, the development team, right? Gold doesn't have a development team, but cryptos do, and it's massively important. So he's got to be thinking in those mindset, and that's a huge weakness of, of BTC is that their development team got basically captured by a corporate you know company, and that they then started it's, making bad moves. You know, I, you mentioned that earlier, not having you know much exciting development, but it, but it's Blockstream, right? Mm. I mean, that's and uh, I mean, and, and to me, the figurehead or I mean, Andrew Atop, what's his name, Atopolis? How do you pronounce that? Oh, Antonopoulos, yeah, Andreas, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he seems to be out there still pushing lightning. I see him on Twitter talking about Q and A's about it, and mm. I don't, he's kind of. I haven't. I haven't heard last. I feel like last bull cycle he was everywhere. I don't. I don't see him out, and, and I just don't see him. What are your thoughts on him? Well, yeah. I mean, he. Uh, I mean, I'd love to talk to him uh, about it. Uh, I, I don't know if we would necessarily. See eye to eye on a lot of on a lot of things, but uh, I mean, he was huge for for the crypto community in 2013, 2014, 2015, even 2016. He was he was so with it. He uh, had so many great talks where he was just talking about it's Bitcoin Cash. And well, I guess he didn't say it's Bitcoin Cash, but he said it's Bitcoin. Where uh, you know we're going global, we're going to be, it's going to be feeless, it's going to be banking the unbanked, right? That was his whole thing. We're spreading it to everyone in the world. It's innovative. It's a platform that's going to grow and expand and all this kind of stuff. But obviously at some point he, he changed his tune completely. If you put some of his, um, and, and I think I saw one speech he was making. He's just like, you know, pretty much I, I went with consensus. I went with, you know, I went with price, and 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 if that changes, he will change. Okay, well, that's an interesting angle on it. I do feel like he's got himself into a bit of a rut now because 
he's doubled down on Bitcoin and therefore has attracted a lot of those people who are in that sort of BTC maximalist crowd that we were talking about. So now if he did some content about some different cryptos, he's done a little bit about Ethereum because that's kind of tangential, so he can sort of weave it in there. But I feel like if he changed his mind and sort of started saying about Bitcoin, his comment section would just blow up with toxicity and, you know, so he sort of sure. put himself in the wrong uh, incentive structure where actually coming back to real peer-to-peer electronic cash uh, is, is going to backfire on him a little bit. So I think he's sort of trying to find out how he can sort of dance away, <laughs> dance away from that a little bit uh, because, yeah, he's in that position and I think he's smart enough that he will see the writing on the wall as uh, as Bitcoin Cash grows in, in prominent. I mean, yeah, he's got a lot of stuff about the Lightning Network and, and everything like that. But, I mean, he, he should know that it's not really working <laughs> he I, I think he's smart enough for that but uh yeah who, who knows you know who knows and uh, uh, this is the same thing as uh spencer right so for him what he needs to do to get ahead of uh his his dad and just really put in the knockout blow is he needs to read up on bitcoin cash uh, he could watch my podcast or something maybe understand the history a little bit more and then he could just live in the crypto economy. That's where he would just absolutely, there would be no coming back from that uh, with his dad, where if, he, you know, he can be hyping Bitcoin and saying crypto is the future and all this sort of stuff. Um, but as we have talked about, it's not really usable. Like day to day, people are not trading it for lunch, basically. And if he figured out that, wait a second, this is what the whole point of cryptocurrency actually was to be a currency, and he got into Bitcoin Cash, he could just get a couple of his friends to start using it and just start buying his lunch. You know, Peter's like sitting there at the kitchen table, you know, and his mate comes in and they're, you know, they've just bought some beers or whatever. He pays him back in Bitcoin Cash right there in front of him. That That is the ultimate proof. There's no debate about that. Is it money or is it not? If you Once you see it happening in front of you, that's, that's it. It's game over. So that's what... Um, that's what Spencer has to do to, he has to sort of somehow see, he saw past all Peter's uh, preconceptions and everything about uh, crypto to get into Bitcoin. He's got to see past that maximalist stuff to get into Bitcoin cash and then just start using it as money. And so the problem there is in the short run, obviously his dad would say, oh, well, so yesterday it was Bitcoin, today it's Bitcoin cash, tomorrow it'll be something new and kind of make this argument that it's just shifting his uh, position. But uh, in the long run, uh, it, that that would just that would be the killer blow. For that would just settle the debate, basically, whether or not they're having a Twitter debate. If Spencer just starts posting, yeah, just like just paid my mate back in Bitcoin Cash, like how's that not money? Question mark. <laughs> that's it. That that's that's the end of discussion, really. So, uh, I mean, yeah, both of them. That's why I said you know that they were ninety percent there or. 90% not there is that both of them, their position falls apart a little bit. Um, if Bitcoin cash, uh, you know, follows my prediction and rises up to regain, you know, its spot as the number one crypto. So, I mean, for Spencer, it, it's sort of that same position of how, how painful will it have to get before he sort of thinks maybe I'm missing something, right? Like if Bitcoin cash, it was 118 to 1, now it's 67 to 1. If it gets to 30 to 1 or 5 to 1 or 2 to 1, you know, or 1 to 1, at what point 
uh, will he think, you know, maybe I should uh, look into this. Maybe there's something going on. And then for Peter, if that happened, he can sort of say, look, Bitcoin's a failure. I told you all, which would be pretty disingenuous because it completely ignores that uh, Bitcoin Cash is the Bitcoin that he was criticizing in 2012, basically. Um, but, you know, that I, I'm sure he will try and claim that as a moral victory, even though, I mean, the reality is that he's just becoming ever increasingly off the pace as crypto becomes a real uh, currency with Bitcoin Cash. So, yeah, I, I, I will tag them in the tweet when I release this episode and either of them are very welcome on the podcast. Um either Peter to, you know, debate gold, gold versus Bitcoin cash or Spencer, Bitcoin versus Bitcoin cash. Absolutely happy to have uh, either of them on for a, a chat about that. So yeah, do you- that, would, that would be epic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would be cool. I mean, uh, like I said, I think both of them, they're so close, they're so close to understanding, uh, but just in, in slightly different areas. So uh, yeah, if they have any interest in that, 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 that would be definitely a cool, uh, cool chat so yeah one other thing i just wanted to touch on with you um i don't know how long you want to go for usually these episodes are like sub two hours but we can you know carry on as long as you've got time for is to yeah just talk to you about crypto content creation obviously i'm now getting into this uh scene a little bit i'm pretty new and uh yeah give give me some advice how did you get into youtubing what's you know the successful stuff you found and how, how did it all go yeah, so so I was kind of prefacing it before. Um, you know what, what I'm doing now is I want to be a part of the uh, the narrative in the Bitcoin Cash community, and um, and there's definitely there's room. You know, there's there's enough interest in the project where they need you, they need me, they need others uh, to come into the space and, um, and 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 spread the word. And in, in, in terms of of what it is, uh, I got into YouTube. Actually, my, my wife actually has a pretty big YouTube channel. She's about seventy thousand subscribers. Yeah. Uh, and she does very, it's, you know, she makes a good living off it. And, uh, I'm more, it have a small business and, uh, but and I've always had a passion towards economics, cryptocurrency and investing in general. Um, so I, uh, I find it makes me, and you're going to find this with, with you, especially you're very well versed in Bitcoin cash, but it, it helped me become a better investor. Now, I'm not going to come out and make a video. And sound like a, a total babbling idiot, right? I'm gonna be for. I'm gonna uh, understand what I'm talking about. And actually, I went to school to be a teacher, and they always said, you know, you learn your students will learn more if you have them teach the content back. Yeah. So, so for me, that was uh, very powerful, and it has really helped extrapolate my, my my gains as an investor, and um, and it's given me just you know something you know again that 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 uh, that passion to to follow my passions to cover things like Bitcoin cash to cover, you know, a couple of years ago, I was investing in a Tesla and things like that. So, um, so I think those are, are very important things. I think you've done an amazing job branding yourself, having this name, the Bitcoin cash podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. And like any business, uh, continuing investing back in it, like we were talking about before, like always trying to get into better production and, and things like that. Um, you know, which, which I, I always need to do as well. Um, I could have done better today, maybe with the, the lighting and all that, but no, <laughs> I got good, man. I, I got my kids running around the house, so I figured I I spare you spare you the noise. Um, but but yeah, that, that's kind of my, my background, my story, and I gotta say, out of everything I've covered on on YouTube, um, there's something very cool about the the Bitcoin Cash community. They're they're very passionate. My videos have all done you know 
pretty well, in, especially in relevance to other videos that I've made. There, there's a lot of interest behind it. And just, you know, getting an opportunity to broadcast the revolution, the cryptocurrency revolution is one that, you know, when we talk to our grandkids when we're older, what we were, were we redoing during this time? Well, we were spreading the good word about uh, currency and Bitcoin cash. Yeah. So, so I think legacy is important with it too, somewhat, you know, in terms of uh, being a part of it. it me, my, when my wife first started out, she first started out before she made one video. Mm. So Ryan, I think I want to do a YouTube channel and like, the idea of like going on camera, it just wasn't her personality, all that, or she didn't think so. I was like, what's the worst could happen? You could get some footage of you younger that we could show our kids when they're older. Like, like, like what's the worst thing that could possibly happen? And the best thing that happened is she has a thriving business that makes way more than she made in her working career. And uh, so it, it was a no-brainer. But yeah, that's my... Oh, that's great to hear. You know, I think for me really uh yeah i mean i was surprised when i started this podcast it was just because obviously nothing's official in cryptocurrency right you are i love uh, rick falkman has a great uh you know uh, <laughs> ideas about everybody just has whatever title they want right so uh, it was just I, i've done a lot of businesses and different you know things uh in my life that i was trying to make work but really uh, what i stumbled on was that a lot of stuff i was trying to do nobody was really that interested but now <laughs> people are interested in, in crypto and so because i've been you know i've been in it that whole time and i didn't even realize i kind of wish i'd started this podcast in 2013 you know i i, I was trying to talk to each individual person and telling them hey listen let me tell you about this uh, or that or whatever uh but i didn't realize that just do it at scale right and uh the thing is the difference there is that with the podcast people are who are interested can listen rather than me finding okay you are you interested god i spent half an hour trying to explain this to you you weren't interested right like someone else someone else someone else right so it took a very long time for those uh, light bulbs to switch on in my head but once it did i mean it's been a, a pretty uh, natural thing and i i encourage yeah everybody in the community anybody who's listening basically crypto combines with pretty much anything that's one of the great uh, things about it as well too you know it can be you could have a channel if you were about politics and you could use crypto as an example or if it was about psychology and about the investing of crypto or if it's about obviously economics and finance if it's about technology it could be about that if it was about fashion there's going to be a huge industry of people wearing stuff that is branded to different cryptos you know that they're supporting money being now a choice like a fashion statement like even with nfts you can sort of see that like a lot of different things, any any industry you can imagine, you could be the first uh, niche of Bitcoin Cash, you know, artist or, or painting or, you know, it could be anything. So like like we see, uh, you know, yeah, uh, exa exactly. So people, uh, you know, that those those niches are open, like you're saying, and the whole ecosystem just uh, snowballs on itself. So. Anybody who yeah needs uh, some ideas or things, if they're passionate about the currency, find a way to get involved. Yeah, I've got here on the slide, uh, yeah, like maybe organize a debate at your university or at your high school or whatever and just find someone who's skeptical and just say, look, debate me on crypto. And they probably don't know much about it, so they'll have to read up. You'll obviously read up, you know, the crowd will come along. And just find a way to make it fun, you know, and uh I think that's how it's going to kick off, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw you had a, um, a Mark DeMesso tweeted you out. Did you see that? 
Uh, yeah, I think he's retweeted me at some point. Yeah, I'm, I, I would like to have him as a guest on the on the show. I'll, I've been meaning to line that up, but I thought first I, I had to get, uh, you know, he's he's got a lot on his plate, right? I don't want to waste his time. So I, I've been building up, you know, my uh, content and my, you know, ability to run the show successfully and stuff first, yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I would I really look forward to watching that. Mark's been, um, I found Mark during the last bull run, um, and he was, you know, finally, fin- like I feel like there weren't enough voices or platforms, you know, talking about Bitcoin Cash. And in terms of going back to what you were saying, like when you dip your foot into it, you you realize like, wow, there's so much demand here. Like that, like I I need to be here. We need more people to be here. Like the market, it, it's just occurring, and we need to materialize and be the people to to uh, have the discussions. And I think that's I think it's amazing. And yeah, I I, I think I see Mark getting around. I, I've I, I've never I don't really do back and forth but he's always friendly to dialogue um very smart guy really really interesting person too <laughs> um and it's uh but and he's big for the bitcoin cash space you know he's definitely his his heart's into it and um and and i think he, he's a big proponent he he fuels a lot of that money into noise.cash is that correct yeah 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 and read.cash as well yeah he's he's doing uh, great stuff and i will definitely i'll at least ask him uh you know, mm-hmm. to come on for an episode of the, the podcast. I always try and theme it um, with, you know, the guest as to what their, like, specialty would be. So I think for him, it's a lot about the investment kind of angle, uh, I think, as well. Obviously, he at a very high level as well, too, he sort of understands where you've got to put work back into your investments to make them good and a lot of those uh, a lot of those things. So I would have to cook up some, some kind of uh, topic or theme around that. Uh, it would be yeah, pretty uh, pretty sick to get him on the show as well too. Awesome, awesome. All right, cool. So let's just uh, move on. So I have yeah here. So like you're saying about that community dialogue, uh, I'm really just trying to yeah create a bit more of a flow back forth. And I feel like content creators, you know, such as yourself, would be uh, are really good to comment on these kind of things because they are very you know in touch with the community because you see the comments every day on your YouTube videos or you have a sense of the flow of, of what's happening. Um, so yeah, here's like a, a community comment and I guess you can uh, put in your thoughts, but somebody asked about what does RBC think about Hal Finney's take on Bitcoin's future being high powered money that serves as reserve currency. This guy here, Captain Roger Murdoch says, it misses the mark. The entire purpose of money is to reduce transactional friction. The best form of money is thus the one that does this most effectively, including A, reducing the friction associated with finding a transacting partner by having a huge network effect or being widely held and accepted, B, reducing the friction associated with making an individual transaction by being fast, cheap, and reliable, and C, reducing the friction associated with holding money between transactions by having a predictable finance supply. It's true that there will always be a natural balance between money proper, i.e. in Bitcoin's case, on-chain transactions, and various and necessarily imperfect money substitutes whether those take the form of traditional fully custodial banking networks or a semi-custodial banking system like the Lightning Network. The problem with an arbitrary and increasingly inadequate limit on the capacity of the former is that it distorts that balance. And that's what actually threatens security and decentralization by forcing the vast majority of transactions to occur on inherently less secure and less decentralized second layer solutions. I think the analogy of an inverted pyramid is useful here for intuiting the fundamental problem. The smaller your base is relative to all the layers built on top of it, the more precarious the whole structure becomes. So that kind of gets to what we were talking about, uh, Lightning Network and about 
you know, even to some extent, the, the dispute between Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash and gold, you know, as to being money in the long run, you need a network effect, but also having those lower friction will ultimately, you know, value will flow into those lower friction avenues. Yeah, I, I wish we almost had like a third party on the show right now. <laughs> Bitcoin Maximus and just heard that and like, like where, where's I, I want to hear what they'd have to say back to that. I, I'm, I'm very fascinated to, um, you know, like, like to me and you, like I feel like, you know, we, we get it. We're at that moment with it. But, uh, but you know, I want to hear a debate back. What, what am I missing? You know, how, how like the goal is to be frictionless, low fee. Uh, you know, like I always like to pitch, you know, you can send any amount of money to anyone in the world for a fraction of the penny and no one can stop it. Like yeah. that is, that is the core value that it's really only alive in a Bitcoin cash, you know, or so, and I think that's what made Bitcoin what it was. And, uh, like, I don't, I always say like Bitcoin would not be what it is if they just said, Oh, we're going to be this slow high fee store of value coin. Like they would have never have been able to create the phenomenon we know it is. Yeah. And, and and today, what does that mean? I don't know. Um, but but in terms of like, if, what is that what it took to get it here? And will it be the store of value, the store of gold? Maybe. Like if we're talking a lot about, uh, you know, like Knox uh, against Bitcoin BTC. But do you think it will be this reserve currency in terms of uh, store of value, or do you, do you, how do you see this playing out? Will it be a digital gold? Can, it, can these two Bitcoins versions coexist? I mean, I think, I actually think no, but with some sort of caveats. So the problem with this sort of uh, Bitcoin is going to be digital gold is that it's reasoning by analogy, which is the, it's sort of taking, it's like, it's like Peter Schiff, you know, it has this problem of trying to think about what is already there and then thinking that the new thing, when you have a paradigm shift, the whole point of a paradigm shift is that you can't reason by analogy to the previous things because if you could it would just be a minor upgrade or a remix or something but if it's literally a new fundamental step forward you need to have a whole shift in mindset to get over that barrier and so a digital gold is a very backwards looking way of thinking about it that uh you know we have gold and that banks were holding that and therefore they will want to hold something in the future well that would be cryptocurrency instead the narrative should be going the other way which is that in a world where you have cryptocurrency especially like bitcoin cash which can be fast reliable and can have essentially um security you know at an institutional grade level by educated individuals holding holding their money themselves in that world what is the use for gold well like we talked about probably not that much therefore what is the use of bitcoin also probably not that much so in the short term yes bitcoin can uh be a sort of digital gold or banks uh you know again because they're very predisposed to this reasoning by analogy something they already understand it will help them shift from um you know not having any cryptos to having some crypto that's a narrative that can be sold to them but ultimately if you have these you know, 10 or 20 banks or, you know, a few world governments or whatever holding some Bitcoin in a vault, uh, then that's fine. But really, people are going to be just trading Bitcoin cash on the street and then they're going to go to the bank. And why would you ever, like I talked about, why would you ever go to the bank and say, hey, can I deposit some of my Bitcoin cash, which I use and works fine and is great for this other thing, Bitcoin, which is just going to cost me a lot of money to put it into. And then I can't 
traded anywhere, I'm going to have to just pay another massive amount of money to get it out into Bitcoin Cash. But I've already got I've already got what I want, <laughs> you know. So the uh, in the in the medium term, yeah, Bitcoin can probably be a digital gold or, or whatever. But in the long run, the point is, even just that phrase, digital gold, it's already wrong. Digital things, it's called cryptocurrency. It's not called digital gold. Like it's a new thing. It's a new asset class. And the world has obviously struggled with that, uh, you know, because financial professionals and people don't know what to make of it when they first come across it. Because uh, is it a stock? Is it a commodity? Is it a currency? It's kind of like a government currency, but not really. But nobody's really trading it, but they might. And just everything like that, right? It is, it's literally created a new category. And in that new category, Bitcoin is fairly irrelevant in a world where you have Bitcoin Cash, especially uh, if there's a, a hash rate flip. Like Bitcoin Cash has been able to survive as a minority hash rate, but Bitcoin, uh, maybe not, you know, with a two week uh, difficulty adjustment if Bitcoin Cash takes off. And if everybody's trading Bitcoin Cash, there would be no reason to have Bitcoin. Fascinating. Just, Fascinating. yeah, just my. Uh, just my take. All right, so we've got meme of the week just as we wind down for the end of the show. So this one comes from at Kurt Wuckett Jr. on uh, uh, Twitter, and he just uh, made this uh, meme picture of the MasterCard logo, which is the red and orange circle, and they just put the Bitcoin in the orange circle. I was like, simple and effective. <laughs> like, that's just what it is. The banks, and this is now the bank coin. Uh, that's what I've been saying. I love that. So sometimes just a picture tells a thousand words. That just gets right to the heart of the matter. Right there. So do you think? Do you think um, that, like, in terms of being the bank coin, like, is it now like maybe? And this is me being conspiracy for a second. Like, has the bank been able to get control of Bitcoin, make it not a competitive currency on chain, mm. slow it down, sluggish, stop it there, and then now they want to push off chain. Right, so people going back and forth in a way, and and, I, and and to me, I go back, and it sounds like the like the gold story when you you were you're pegging to something, going off chain, going back and forth with with paper IOUs of this store value. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, what the I what you were IOUing just disappeared, and you just then you were back to going back and forth with just the paper, yeah. and then came kind of funny money in a way. Um, like, is that the goal? Like, it's to be conspiracy. Could this be a goal? of a way where the financial system doesn't have this outright war against crypto, but kind of comes in within and, uh, and, and, and takes what the people perceive as valuable and control it. Yeah, absolutely. That's that, that, that's, yeah, that's pretty much you just hit the nail on the head. That's, I agree a hundred percent, right. Is that that was the, the history of money. And that's funny. That's why, again, both Peter and Spencer Schiff, neither of them have, have clicked on this, that the, Gold was great and it had all the right properties and stuff, but it was too inconvenient to hold yourself. And especially in the digital age, that's obviously not going to cut it where people need to do commerce on the internet and everything. So the genius, well, like a, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of genius aspects, but obviously Satoshi had the right mentality of completely flipping the security model from being, a, you know, institutions holding on your behalf, which was the central point of failure that uh, previous currencies had always collapsed under if they were trying to compete with the dollar and turning it to individuals and therefore you know the nodes and the actual holders of the currency that you've decentralized the the control to those uh, individual people and that, that that is what has happened with bitcoin was the banks looked at it they tried to find every different 
weigh in to sort of attack it or to make it irrelevant or say it was a scam or whatever. But after enough years of saying it's a scam and it hadn't gone away, that wasn't working. Mm. So they needed to try something different. So what did they figure out? Oh, well, okay, well, maybe we can sort of nudge the community in the direction that they aren't all just trading Bitcoin peer-to-peer and that, yeah, again, we just put in some nice intermediate layers as the fees get more and more expensive. Like I, I probably can even see that maybe some people are using Lightning and maybe it works great for them. And then you say to them, yeah, but that's not really decentralized. And they say, no, it is decentralized because you're using all these hubs and whatever. And you say, okay, but what if I want to settle with you on the blockchain? And they say, like, they can't reconcile those two things where they, on one hand, they say lightning is great and it all works fine and stuff, but you can also use the blockchain uh, as well. And then you say, but can you? Because it will cost $20 to settle your 10 cent fee. So you're never going to do that. Aren't you captured? And then they say, no, <laughs> this is a melts down. There's no, there's no comeback to that, right? So they they say no, but we've got lightning, so we don't need the blockchain. You're kind of like, well, now you're going in circles, right? Uh, if you can't settle on the chain, like I said before, payment channels. It's maybe not even a terrible idea. I can see a world where uh, I, you know, on Bitcoin Cash, I made the Bitcoin Cash podcast. I streamed it live. Everybody deposited five dollars uh, on a, some wallet, and then. For every one second, I got paid, you know, 0.01 cent. And the longer the podcast went on or the more people that were watching, I was getting paid literally like sort of like per click uh, for ads, except per second for live content production, right? That could be a great use for uh, payment channels, that kind of thing. You wouldn't necessarily need to do thousands of on-chain transactions. You could find a way to bundle them all up. But that only works in a system where if one party tries to fraud the other, you can just settle on-chain for one cent and it's not a big deal right if it's going to cost a hundred dollars to settle on chain i'm not going to dispute somebody trying to scam me out of ten dollars on the lightning network these conversations need to be had <laughs> you know and, and and i don't think you're going to find them on any bitcoin maximalist uh, conversation yeah yeah no so it's yeah, good yeah <laughs> it's been been great having you on man so yeah that really comes down to okay so just uh, final thoughts, you know, like uh, I want to create that back and forth uh, dialogue from the community in terms of the community comments uh, and then also, you know, from from people in the community such as yourself. Back, I mean, we've already talked about it a little bit, but do you have anything that you specifically want to, yeah, highlight or any story you have for people or advice or criticism? Where are we going wrong? What can we do different? Anything? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Well, one, just thank you for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. I, I really, I, again, I love what you're doing here. Um, and, and what I want to make sure, and I think Bitcoin Cash will be most successful, at least the way I'm talking about it. I'm not, and, and I, I fall guilty of it sometimes too. It's, it's not always about, the way we bring over where the majority of the value is right now is in terms of uh, the, Bitcoin, the cryptocurrency market is the Bitcoin crowd. When people first come into crypto, they, it's Bitcoin, right? But how do we attract them to look at us too? It's we have to be careful in the tone that we we you know that we deal with Bitcoin. Even though it's, it's you know there was that war, there was that fork. But you know if we have the right fundamentals, if if in and we really believe we do, um, having a positive image rather than just always throwing negativity at Bitcoin, I think will will help bring more people over. And uh, but a lot of people don't realize what I do try to explain to them because people have gotten upset with me about like being critical of Bitcoin. But I was like, literally, if we can flip the hash rate, 
we are Bitcoin. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, so when you try to say I don't have a legitimate claim to 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 saying we're, we're Bitcoin, you know, dig a little bit deeper. I understand. However, you want to read the white paper, that, that's that's fair. And we we talked about Ethereum, and even Vitalik Buterin at the time of the fork said we had a legitimate claim to the Bitcoin name and people that's prominent. So I, I think um, so. Hold on to the the Bitcoin brand that we have and, and the association there. But uh, but you know, just talking about how it can really empower people's lives, like like talking about the the, the real end use expu- uh, user experience. Get you know get 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 Bitcoin cash in as many people's hands as possible, and, and that'll evangelize them and, and try Bitcoin. Like you said, try both, you know, and, uh, and I, I don't think it's hard to figure out from there. And, um, and, and that's what brought me to the road into the Bitcoin cash camp. And, uh, I'm glad to be here and I'm glad to be in this network with you. And I'm excited to see how we look back on this conversation in years and, uh, where, where we're at in terms of market cap. And, um, I saw, I find it silly that we slip out of the top 10, yeah. but, uh, the market can be wrong in price. Like you said, with Peter said, price is not always in, indicative of what's going on. And any investor knows that any value investor. So looking at the real fundamentals and looking at the networks and the transactions that are taking place and the wallets that are opening and the businesses that are being built on top of it. It's, it's really, it's, it's really a neat community. And um, if anyone wants to check out my channel, I'll, I'll comment in the description below and, and we can dialogue more. And, and, and again, thank you so much for having me on, Jeremy. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, it's been great having you. And absolutely, we'll, we'll link to all your uh, stuff. You know, people can follow you on Noised Up Cash. Uh, send you a little, you know, couple couple of cents <laughs> there. You know, get those transactions uh, flowing as well. And, and I think on that theme, yeah, you know, try and be um, be nice to the BDC crowd for the most part. I mean, I understand it's a it's a, you know, there's a lot of animosity there and so on and so forth. But what you got to understand is that for most people uh, who are into BDC out there in the community, they're li- literally just suffering from ignorance, right? They don't know the history. They don't know. All they see is I'm invested in Bitcoin and Bitcoin cash is a scam <laughs> like that. That's, you know, it's threatening their investment. So they're very uh, dug into that and invested in that. But people do switch their point of view if you just calm with them and you just explain. And if they're not calm, that's fine. Just let them go. Because at the end of the day, uh, like I said, 99.9% of people, the conversation, you're not coming to somebody who is already entrenched on one side or the other. Uh, and those people, you can just explain to them and they just go, oh, okay, right, cool. Interesting. That was how it worked. Um, so yeah, a combination of those two approaches, uh, I think is, is definitely ideal. So yeah, that's pretty much the end of the show then. Uh, Thank you for coming on, man. It's been great. People can donate uh, as per usual. The slides and resources will be up at bitcoincashpodcast.com. The RSS and uh, audio feeds uh, are available as well. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Um, Shout-outs. Yeah, anything you, you want to shout-out at the end there? I don't know, like your, your noise of cash, Twitter feed, YouTube, uh, whatever. I guess we'll just put it all in the description. Yeah, we'll have it all linked in the description. I'm on all those platforms, um, and uh, and yeah, I think we, we covered a large breadth of uh, uh, things in the cash community. I, 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 I it would be cool if uh, you know Spencer and uh, Peter see their name in the description, and you know, and 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 possibly Spencer will watch this. You know, Spencer doesn't he's on all, all the major platforms yet, so yeah. um, hearing his him talked about and uh, beating up his father, so. Uh, but yeah, no, thank you so much for having me on. I'll link it all there below. I post a, a YouTube video weekly 
investing related. And uh, the, the channel is getting branded more and more towards Bitcoin Cash. And we'll, we'll see how that moves forward in the, in the future. I may end up making two channels because I do have other passions in terms of ownership and all that. But um, and yeah, and if you don't have any Bitcoin Cash, uh, I've been giving out Bitcoin Cash. You know, so what I've been people have been generous to my channel have donated. And, uh, and I just really feel like the best thing to do for people is to get into people's hands. And, um, and, and that's going to create the network effect. So if you don't have any Bitcoin cash, DM me on Instagram, uh, rgiffin89, and I'll send you some Bitcoin cash over there. Yeah, absolutely. Just just give it a go and see for yourself because that, that is the ultimate uh, debate tool. Like I said, it just overrides everything you see in front of yourself. It's just, it's just no, um, no denying it at that point. So... Yeah, thank you to all the listeners and uh, until next time. He pulled out his laptop and rang up the site. Looked at me and said, This will change your whole life. Then he started explaining the basics to me. The miners make money by taking the fee. Every time a transaction is made incomplete, and they work every minute and day of the week. A guy named Satoshi created this all. He's the mastermind of it, the brain in the ball. There's a lot more to say, but before I begin, just tell me right now if you're out or you're in.